Roots and Shoots with Jamie, Charlotte and Sabrina on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Oh, yeah, that's got the hips shaking. Well, Charlotte's still on her way, Sabrina Hahn, but you're here. G'day. Hey, Jamie. Well, this is the new 2018 Saturday morning lineup. Yeah, and it gets better. Once Charlotte's here as well, you'll enjoy this far more. I mean, I'm okay, <laughs> but we all know she's carrying things here, so. And, and she's pretty. She is. No, I'm not saying you... that you're not, Jamie. I like to think I'm, I'm a different saying... kind of attractive. Yeah, that's right. Very manly, manly attractive. Rough, rugged, yeah. around the edges yeah. kind of thing. Charlotte's yeah. your classic... Great looking. Refined. Refined. Mm. Uh, interesting. You mm. know, you, you see a few little cracks here and there. You, oh, yeah. You pick up something new every time. It'll be interesting to see what she picks up out in the street there and, mm. you know, finds what's out and about the place, susses it out and then brings it back here, which would be awesome. Yeah. I don't think she's going to, you know, physically be bringing back <laughs> any of the statues from Oh, no today. treats. No. But maybe, you know, this is interesting. We're talking about the... Um, the, the statues and the art that's around that precinct. Mm. I imagine mm. the, the vegetation and the plants would be pretty interesting too. Absolutely. Yeah. Should check it out. Maybe check we'll do that. Out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it, it makes, if you've got sculptures and you've got a, an area, what binds it all together is actually the landscaping around it. So it does play a really important part. And I have seen some... Interesting combinations of <laughs> sculptures and water features where they've used totally inappropriate plants around it and you kind of think, mm, you know, I wouldn't use those particular plants. Now, is that when people just go for what looks pretty rather than what practically kind of works in that space? The, the, I think what happens is it's when people go overseas and they see magnificent things overseas and then they try and replicate it in an Australian backyard and it just, doesn't, <laughs> just does not quite work. In Versailles, looks fabulous in an Australian backyard. Mm, yeah. lacking a little something, really. Do you know what I did notice at the stadium when I was there last is, uh, and I'm again, I'm going to show my inexperience here, there was almost like a little tunnel and I could see some vines kind of creeping up but only maybe a quarter of the way and yeah. obviously in time then it will completely go around yeah. this kind yeah. of tunnel thing yeah. which will yeah. look really cool. I'd be awesome and kids love stuff like that. Do they? Yeah. yeah. It's really easy... I remember when my kids were little, I built a, a really not a very strong frame, but I grew the passion fruit over that. So it was like they had to crawl through this green tunnel and come out the other side. And it's easy to do. And it's only one passion fruit because they go berserk. It's secret garden. A little bit of a secret garden. That was my nonno's kind of backyard, which he's still got. He's got mm. the classic Italian, mm. um, you know, quarter acre block in Chewett Hill yep. where most of it is used for kind of practical purposes. But veggies and fruit. Veggies and fruit and mm. chooks and all that kind mm. of stuff. Not too much concrete for him, unlike others. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it, it always, when I was a kid, it made me kind of excited and a little bit nervous because it was kind of so thick and parts mm. of it were really dark and I kind of knew I wasn't supposed to go to some bits and <laughs> pick stuff, but I did. <laughs> I'm fessing up. <laughs> 30 years later. I hope he's listening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you are in Albany recently. How was that? Yeah, that was awesome because yeah. um, I was with the um, South Coast NRM and...
and they've started a, uh, a project to try and increase habitat area so that the honey possum has a place to breed and feed and things like that. So if anyone's interested in the honey possum project, then go to the, um, go to the South Coast NRM website and they'll get a lot more information about it. Cute factor, pretty high? <sighs> about 180%. I don't, <laughs> if, very rarely do you ever get to uh, encounter honey possums because they're so, they're the size of a double A battery. They are tiny, tiny. And they're the most beautiful, gorgeous looking things. <laughs> you go to my Facebook page and you'll see lots of pictures. Check it, it out. It was just the, the most delightful little things. And while we talk about, um, <laughs> that was going to be a really awkward segue, so I'm not going to say it. Delightful little things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm back. Yeah. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Jane. Hello, Hi, Sam. Charlotte. How are you? I'm splendid. Oh, it's such a joy to be in here with you. I heard you guys talking about me in the car on the way. Yeah. Here. You All said good I was things. Pretty. Yeah. And hey. refined. Except then Jamie said, oh, there are a few cracks. <laughs> What cracks? Oh, no, I was talking about me. <laughs> so oh, I was saying right. you're the, the classic good-looking, whereas I'm the rough around the edges like, kind yeah. of thing. Point them out, mate. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like to see you try. Yeah, that would have been a nice way to start things. Now, what have you found? What have you found, Charlotte? Where uh, have you been? Well, I was just out at the Perth Stadium, Sad, mm. having a look at some of the incredible public art surrounding that building because I was telling Jamie, if I go to the Perth Stadium... I mean, maybe for a concert, but chances are I'm unlikely to get there for cricket or footy. It's not my thing. (laughs) Um, So I'm far more interested in the beautiful, interactive works that you can touch and Mm. read and climb on and it was cool very cool and they've got they've the the landscaping around there is fantastic and they've got that adventure park for kids as well yeah there were a lot of people out this morning riding bikes and um. walking and taking their kids with them there was a little girl as we were leaving in a little set of fairy wings oh. going up to one of the huge four meter high sculptures and trying to push it over <laughs> and i'm thinking oh good luck little one it was very sweet aim high i thought that story was going to take a dark turn and she started to <laughs> climb it and then or it actually she fell fly. over yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. My wings, my wings. It's not wings. bolted in yet. <laughs> Good stuff. Hey, um, let's get some calls. one three hundred triple two seven twenty. Give us a call. Uh, or the text as well, 0437-922-720. Roots and shoots with Sab. Uh, should we start with Phil, Sab? Let's, let's head to Bunbury, yeah. Hey, Phil. Hi. I've got the most unusual request. Oh, I want, I want we like to know, that. I want to know why nothing is attacking my mandarin tree. <laughs> Now, try that one. Now, reason. Every year I have uh, aphids and ants and mealybugs, but what I do get is lots of uh, lady beetles, ah, ladybird beetles, at yeah. least four species. Now, this year there's nothing. Um, I've only just picked the first leaves off from Leaf Miner. Yeah. Uh, I had about 20 um, uh, aphids about a month ago with ants, and they've all disappeared. Yeah. Now, I haven't done anything different this year. Um I do a bit of pruning in in um, um, winter. Yeah. I spray with um, copper oxychloride just before flowering. I've got plenty of mandarins on, but yeah. just no no insects. Now that's interesting because it's this whole balance, Phil, between pest and predator. So you've had all the aphids there, and look, uh, ladybirds are like any other insect, and they're affected by climate. Um, and because they're such voracious eaters, 
they need uh, quite a few aphids and scale and things like that to eat. So it may be that the ladybirds have bred up to a point where they've eaten themselves out. <laughs> so, so they've eaten all the bad guys and uh, now there's not enough food for them to carry on breeding. Or the other thing is, is they go into sort of an overwintering stage. So you, my friend, have an excellent balance in your garden because you don't have to bother doing anything because all the good insects do it for you. So I wouldn't worry about the fact that you haven't seen ladybirds. They'll probably emerge a bit later on. Okay, thanks for that. Well done, Phil. Well done. Good job, Phil. like the way you're going about it. John uh, is in North Perth. G'day, John. Yes, good morning. Um, Look, I'm doing a volunteer gardening program at Balga High School and I put tomatoes in early in December. Yeah. I hope the kids would pick them when they get back. Yeah. There's very little fruit on them. Yeah. I was wondering if there's anything I can do. Obviously, I'm trying to start with kids picking fruit before they... Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. So, John, it's been a bit of a slow start for tomatoes because we haven't really had summer. It's been very mild, really, a mild summer. But there is something you can do. So what you need to do is you need to increase the potassium. So go and get, it's not just potassium, it'll be manganese and iron and all sorts of other goodies. So go and get a liquid trace element spray. It's a click on, you just click it onto your hose. The kids can use it even. Uh, You can put it on once fortnight. So anything like the kelp products, or, or the liquid trace elements will yeah. certainly help with fruiting. Yeah, and that, the other thing is okra. I tried to grow some okra. Were I out of season with okra? Or? Yeah, okra needs really hot, humid weather. So I wouldn't have put okra in at all until December anyway because it just wasn't warm enough. Okay. So you could whack it in now because I, it's, it's not too late to put okra in now. Okay. There you all go. Right. Beautiful, John. Well done. Whack it in now, John. Yeah. The texts are coming in thick and fast. Oh, well, let's let's hurl a few at me, Charlotte. Pippa in Mount Lawley. Mm -hmm. She sent a photo. Mm -hmm. Oh, it looks so good. It's lamingtons with. With uh, jam and cream oh, and, and strawberries. Yum. She says this was her Australia Day treat yesterday. Lamington with Kwandong jam made by Pippa. Wow. Collected from the roadside in the central wheat belt. Wow. What are your best tips to try to get the Kwandong seed to germinate? Oh, uh, okay. So Kwandongs are a little bit tricky to germinate and... I know a few gardeners who have had success where they just... Because the story is, of course, guys, is that you have to have an emu or a kangaroo to ingest it and then poo it out, and mm. that strips off the, the coating on it that makes it difficult to germinate. Right. Um, I don't recommend that you, you give it to your dog or other pets. Um, what you can do, however, is you can just shove that seed in a compost. Phew. So because the heat of the compost will help break it down, um, that's, that's, one of, that's what most backyarders have the most success with, Charlotte, is just sticking the seed in a compost heap and forgetting it's there. Pippa, in your honour, I'm going to eat one of these now slightly stale lamingtons that have been sitting here all morning. No Kwandong jam to go with it. It's probably exactly what it needs to moisten it up a bit. Mm. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, 
Uh, okay. Okay. How uh, this is Simon. Simon has texted in saying, "How do I banish agave americanas from my garden? They're popping up under pavers five meters away from the original plant. Will wow. any herbicide work? No, because agaves have that thick, succulenty, shiny leaf. Um, one of the best things you can do is actually there is a there is a weed killer that might work because it's pelagonic acid, so it actually burns the leaves. Mm. So you could try that. It's the only one of its kind. It's called Slasher. Um, That's a great name. The other thing is, of course, getting out the old, uh, you know, you the burner that you use that uh, plumbers use. Like an oxy torch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, well, that is hard for gardening. <laughs> That's extreme. That is seriously but extreme. It, but if it's in paving, that'll knock the little sods off and they'll never come back. Yeah, they'll tell their friends as well. <laughs> no You'll never guess what they did to me. one three hundred triple two seven twenty. the number to call. Uh, let's head to Esperance. G'day, David. Good morning. What do you got for us? I was questions about some bulbs, but to start with Sabrina, that... Um, Kwangdong tree, does that have to be planted with another? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's semi parasitic, David. So after germination, when you take it out of your compost heap, um, you'll need to pair it with something else. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll hook on to just about anything. Now, my question was I've trouble with my bulbs this last few years. I've had a lot of um, rust and that on them, and I've been trying to treat them. Yeah. But this year the gladdies are munted. They've got all the flower petals are right at the top, nothing up the stems. Oh, really? And um, those uh, Easter lily things that I gave you a couple of years ago, yeah. they've, they've gone. I've only got a few of them left. They got rotten last year and this year they're all they've died. Oh, no. And I'm just wondering what I've got to attack them with. And when can I lift them? Because every time I poke around the bottom, mm-hmm. it's still got the bo- um, roots on them. Yeah, but that's okay. That's, that's okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's not a problem, David. But... Oh, right. um, now, there's something, so the, the, the problem with bulbs is things like rust are actually in the living cellular tissue of the ah, plant. you've got to treat the bulb. Yeah, so you have to, no point in just doing the top bit. You right. have to actually, when you dig the bulbs up, I would roll them in sulphur um, yep, yep. or you can spray them with copper oxychloride. But because it's in the living cellular tissue, you, you have to get the bulb. Ah, right, yeah. Yeah. I'm only doing half the job. That's exactly right, David. You've got to go the whole hog. There you go, Dave. Get to work. Dave and Esperance there. What about uh, Mick? Mick has sent through a picture as well. Mm-hmm. He says, this is a bug that I'm finding in mandarin and pea fruit. I guess that's passion fruit. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Could be anything. Yep. His neighbour's got the same problem. It's yep. a tiny little green bug. Yep, sapsucker. With, with a white bum. Yeah. As he describes. And it smells too. Ah, the yes. old white bum smelly yeah, bum. Yeah, that's it. Oh, and that's job. why that's why his bum is white because, oh. you know, it's that smelly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not is, really, just joking. Okay. See, I believe everything you <laughs> say. <laughs> no more tricks. <laughs> so um, it's the, they, later on when it gets older, it gets two little horns on the edges of its wings. So it's one of the stink bug beetle types except it's not a beetle it's a bug so remember bugs suck beetles chew Ah. this is a tip for both of you so we don't call bugs beetles or vice versa because one sucks one chews so uh the best thing for these little fellas and some years they will just play havoc 
on your passion fruit vine and they actually suck around where the, the flowers are coming so you don't get fruit. Um, so you can either use a neem oil or pyrethrum. Take your stinky white bum elsewhere, That's right. bug. Yeah. Or you, some people, if you're an organic grower and you don't want to use any um, any sprays at all, some people go out with a, a dish, like a shallow laundry dish with soapy water in it and they shake the tree or the vine or whatever and it drops in the bucket and drowns. There you go. Thank you very much, Mick. I hope that that sorts your bug issue out. Mm. Um, Kevin in North Beach, Sabrina, I have a very well-established pomegranate tree, which every year for the last five years has had bountiful pomegranates. Lucky you, Kevin. But this year, unfortunately, we've only had one or two. Do you know why? Yeah, it's the season because um, I've not i only got half the amount of pomegranates on my tree this year. Less Moroccan salads at home. Oh, mm. Shame. Mm. Well, shame, less, shame, shame. less treats for the rats in my case. But, um, look, pomegranates are also light sensitive. So uh, the pomegranate that faces east gets covered that side of the tree which is my neighbour's side Mm. it's every time I go over there I go my god I've got so many pomegranates but on the western side which is sheltered by the house so it doesn't get as much sun I only get one or two fruit so and because we've had this mild and a really late start to summer pomegranates need that really you know they're basically from Iran and they need that burst of heat in the summer and we haven't had it Mm. has it been a bit frustrating for people yeah it's been a a really weird season they're such a beautiful fruit as well I mean they're nice to lush lush they're lush pretty looking thing Mm. as well they were one of the um fruits of the gods weren't they the greek Mm. the greek gods that and the fig wasn't it yep Yep. Uh, because they're so so you know big and full of seed and Mm. all that kind of Mm. caper Mm. and red raising your eyebrows (laughs) <laughs> Feeling like I should leave the studio. One three hundred triple two seven twenty roots and shoots with Sabrina Hahn. It's twenty two past nine. Let's go to Denise, who's in uh, Mount Lawley. Hey, Denise. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm well. Good. I just have a question for Sabrina. Good morning. Sabrina. Good. Good morning, Denise. I'm calling on behalf of my son. Mm-hmm. He has eight cottonwood hibiscus trees. Mm-hmm. They've been in for about six years, and they're about five meters tall. Yeah. Two have died, and another one's terminal. Oh. And, and they start off just the leaves yellowing and then go bright yellow and drop, and it starts dying from the top down. He asked the local nursery, mm-hmm. and they just said to put trace elements on it, which no. is done. No. But I, I think it needs something it's, more. It's a, it's a little, <laughs> bit, little bit more of a problem Past than that. that, I fear, Denise. Um, That's what I thought. Is up the top of the cottonwoods, are any of the branches, the bark peeling off? Not that I can see. I can't get up that high to right. see, but I, I can't see it. And the one that two that have died, I didn't notice that when we cut oh, them okay. down. Okay, all right. Well, I would say there's two things. It's either termites, it could be three things, termites, borer, because right. they're very susceptible to termites, borer. Okay. Or it's a fungal disease down the base near the root system. Okay, because the roots are still in from the two old 
ones. Yeah. So would it help to dig those up? Yep. Have a look at the root. Yep. Now, if you if you dig the root system up, take one of the the smaller roots and with your fingernails just mm. just scrape along the root, yeah. and if it sloughs yeah. off. A slough yeah. off. Mm. Um, <laughs> if it sloughs off, then it's definitely got a fungal disease or even worse, a bacterial one that will spread through the soil and it's going to knock them all off. So you need to get on. <laughs> basically, you need to get on to it pretty news, quick. Yeah, it? it's not. It's not. It's not the news you wanted to hear. I know. But um, first of all, you need to identify that it is a fungal disease. If you take a piece of the root system to a nursery, they will be able to give you the fungicide that you need to treat that. But I would go and get now. Go and get some anti rot. Okay. There's many different versions of it. So you just go to a nursery and you say you want a fungicide that they treat dye back with. There you okay. go. Good luck, Denise. Sounds like the young fella's got a bit of work. Uh, I'd say his mum's doing it for him. I so. know, but he, now, now with all of those, I think he needs just to swing back into action. So Denise is the information gatherer. That's true. She's then, the conduit. Exactly right. Here from, you go, son. From us to them. Uh, David's got a question about his pumpkins. Hey, Dave. Yeah, good morning, ladies and uh, Jamie. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'm, pleased, Thanks I'm pleased you didn't lump him in with us because Charlotte and I are, are, are pretty little things. Or call me Charlotte? a gentleman, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, they tell me he's got a good face for radio. So. Yeah, yeah, he does. Oh, Stop he Googling does. me, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just a, a question about um, pumpkins of all types. I've planted out a lot of pumpkins around fruit trees here yeah. and... Um, they came from the uh, worm farm because pumpkin seeds don't seem to um, uh, rot down. And we had a lot come up. So there's, there's um, Jared Al Jap and um, I've also got some um, uh, butternuts. Yeah. But the question basically is, cutting to the chase, that the Japs, Jap pumpkin or just a pumpkin, whatever you call them, don't seem to have any reasonable quantity. All the pumpkins don't seem to have a lot of... Uh, what female flowers that gets pollinated by the long yeah. males. Yeah. We've got heaps of bees. Uh, it's just that it seems to be a factor of the amount of female flowers. And I'm wondering, is it a factor of the season you spoke yeah. of? Is it a factor of the um, nutrients, uh, soils? All pretty good, and we've got a lot of yeah. Regan, Regan's Ford. That's beautiful soil around there. Well, yeah, there's some terrible stuff too, and we've got a bit of that, but this is in um, good red gum, okay. uh, free-draining um, <clears throat> yep. orange loam, you know. Now, the thing is, <clears throat> with all pumpkins, the first flowers to emerge will always be the male. So you get male flowers for the, uh, at least the first month or six weeks or two yeah. months because they're keen. They're keen, Aren't they? those, those pumpkins. Like a lot of males. Yeah. Just like a lot of fellas. And um, so the girls are a bit shyer. They'll come out later. What you need to do, David, is you need once the girls, once the female flowers start coming out, you mm. need to then prune back the lateral, the all the really long laterals that have the male flowers. You need to prune them back by a third, and that helps more female flowers to come out because you oh, only yeah. need one male flower for you can. I always pollinate anyway myself. Just to make double sure. So yeah. you only need one male flower for three or four female flowers. Yeah, well, we've got, as I say, heaps of bees and we've got water out for birds and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So the bees are in all of the flowers. Okay. But it just seems to be um, and the amount of flowers all the time. Take, and and are, um, I take on board what you're saying and I can see that would um, de-stress the plant, I suppose, feeding 
tendrils that aren't doing or yeah. runners that yeah. aren't doing anything. But um, the Jap, uh, Jap pumpkins per se um, just... Um, you know, bad bearers, or is it just yeah. what you're talking about? They, they, the Jap pumpkin will need a, a long, you know, needs a long, hot summer, um, and they don't produce as much as some of the other pumpkins. And unfortunately, it's just the season. It's been a real slow start, so. We could we could talk pumpkins all morning, but let's let's shoot over to Deb. Sabrina, can you tell Deb what are some good pond plants that are tadpole safe? Hey, ah, that's a great Jeez, question. Can tadpoles get a little sick from the wrong plant? Well, can they? Or? Not that I know of, but um, because tadpoles don't actually eat the plants; they eat whatever's in the water. Okay, but. Um, in my pond, I had just about every aquatic plant you could possibly imagine and I had heaps and heaps and heaps of frogs. Mm. They drive you nuts? Uh, oh, no, because I have the little crinias that just go... Oh, sorry, uh, go? I beg your pardon? <laughs> That's all they do. That's Excuse good. Me. Excuse you. <laughs> You've practised that before, haven't you, Sam? So, um, so they're not the motorbike frog. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, I don't know of any... Aquatic plants that are available that would knock off your tadpoles. So pretty open the slather then. Yeah, well, there's now a... you said that. Now, if all of Deb's tadpoles disappear, she's going to hold that against you. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, look, I had water lilies, and I had uh, the water hibiscus, and I had I would have had about thirty different aquatic plants and heaps of tadpoles. So, okay. well, there you go. Should be. A pretty easy task then for Deb. There might be Johnny Frog, if he's listening, Johnny Profumo, he'd know if there's any aquatic plant that's actually, because he's the frog expert. So if you're listening in, Johnny, text us in and let us know if there's some something we should know. Kathy in Floriot says she has a lemon myrtle tree growing in a wine barrel, which she loves mm-hmm. and she would love to have another one. Mm-hmm. She's tried to propagate with cuttings with no success it has flowered. Could she collect and grow from the seeds? Yes. Any tips appreciated for Kathy? Yeah, so definitely you're better off growing from seed. I don't know anyone that's had success here growing lemon myrtle from a cutting. Um, and, again, the seeds must be germinated when it's hot. So, And they've got to be ripe. So you may need to put a bag... Um, you can get those little jewellery bag things to put over the when flowering's finished so that the seeds don't drop and you lose them. Beautiful. Hey, um, thank you for that. Uh, just this, it's a little bit of detective work here, Sab. Um, yes. Jeanette in Manning says, can you tell me what this plant is that's growing next to my thyme plant? That looks like a little leaf from it, a little green Not a lot leaf. to go on, really, Not is much it? there, is there? But this is this might give us a better idea. So we can see a bit of the time work through there. Oh, is it this one here? This yeah. kind of green long leaf with a yeah. big stem? Now it could be, oh, you know what that is? No. I know exactly what that is. That's comfrey. Oh, yeah. Thought mm. so. <laughs> Tell us about comfrey. <laughs> well, comfrey is a really, really good herb um, and it uh, used to be used medicinally for all sorts of things. It used to be called heel oil all or heel bone. Uh, great for the compost. If you've got anything that you want 
composted. Can you click on the single yeah. leaf again? Oh, the single. I've yeah. gone the whole hog. Yep. Go the single leaf. Go the single leaf. <laughs> That's um, good. That's catchy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, maybe not. It's not hairy enough. Look, if it's hirsute, like your chin, mm-hmm. if it's hairy, then it's definitely comfrey and comfrey self-seeds and pops up everywhere. It's a wonderful plant. If you've got a compost heap, it's a great activator. Beautiful. Good luck, Jeanette. You might be in luck there. Uh, one three hundred triple two seven twenty. Twenty eight minutes to ten. Uh, Rhonda's in double view. Hey, Rhonda. Hi. That was like the I ad, know. wasn't it? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Help me, Rhonda. I just to point out, I am not the gardener of the family. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Join the club, Rhonda. <laughs> We've had a couple of bohemia trees. Is that the right name for them? Green? Yeah, bohemia. Yep. And. The first one died after about, I don't know, maybe about eight years. Oh. And then we had a second one, which was self-sown, and it sort of grew into two trees out of the one, you know, it looks like two coming out of the ground, but they're basically joined probably just at the ground level. Right. But And we've had them now for about 10, 10 just over 10 years, and one of them has died, again, just out of the blue. We noticed that it was looking really woody and dead. And the other one's still sort of attached. But I'm freaking out that maybe what have we done? Do they not have a long life? And is the other one going to die, which is a real shame because they're absolutely gorgeous. And um, we want to cut the dead one back, but we're worried how are we going to do that without damaging the one that's yeah. dead? And we have a, a limited area of ground to so so you... put a replacement in yeah. before we lose both. Well, that's really weird because bohinias are actually fast-growing. They're a tropical tree, but they usually don't have any any problem. The only thing that I've seen attack bohinias are borer, which comes from a beetle. But you'd see a hole where a borer goes in and a little bit of sawdust called frass that comes out of the hole. It could be that there's something in that area of your garden where you – but the other one's in a in a – I don't know what I don't know. It just doesn't like double view by the sounds of it. They're usually fairly hardy, Rhonda. One's in a pot, yes. Well, it started in a pot. Oh, okay. This is a tree now. The one that died is a tree, and it had two shoots that came out of the pot. It was like, yeah. you know, we put it in a little plastic pot, and then it rooted itself in the garden and grew into this beautiful tree. And we yeah. thought we were the best gardeners in double view. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now this is. Second one we've had giant, and I adore them. But yeah, I know they're so beautiful. Yeah. Look, I don't know if the if it's the patch of where it is, or it doesn't like where it is, or it's getting too much salt wind on it because the salt will uh, fall on the leaves, and they don't well, they grow all around Fremantle, and that's windy and salty. So tough one. Sometimes with plants, if they don't like where they are, they just go nah, not happy. Yeah. Do you just get these kind of, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, just stubborn ones. Yeah. Yeah, not having that. And sometimes you can move plants around in your garden. Because I move my entire garden constantly, apart from the you know, 40 the metre stuff. gum tree. Um, sometimes you just have to write the find, find the right spot and then they thrive. But you can't dig up a big, I don't know. I'd get another one and give it one more shot. Yeah, either that or it's the tree or the house, Rhonda. Sorry. <laughs> you may have to move. <laughs> let's let's go close by. Michael's in City Beach. Hey, Michael. Oh, no, he's not. Michael's not. Michael well, sounds like he's on another call. He might be in City Beach. Are you back, Michael? 
No, he's still making other calls. <laughs> Michael, that's an odd sound to me. <laughs> Michael's just a little busy. <laughs> Michael's pretending he's a phone frog. Michael, yeah, there's that. Michael's doing that thing where you keep some once some person on hold uh, and then you speak to someone else at uh, the same time, okay, right. I reckon. Michael's busy. Maximising his time. Do you want to go to a text? Yeah. yeah, let's do, Charlotte. Let's go to Kylie from Dianella. I love this text because she's put in bold not once, not twice, but three times. Please help. Please help. Please help. <laughs> Our fig tree, black fig tree, is two years old, three foot high, large pot, heaps of fruit. Got two large fruit off it. Now they're all tiny. They don't ripen. It gets afternoon sun. She Googled the problem. It said stress and that they weren't getting enough water, but she says we give it a bucket or two a day um, yep. and okay. they fertilise weekly. Okay. Now this is a common problem for fruit trees in particular that are in pots. So what happens, I mean, it's looking pretty healthy to me. Um, what happens is the, the things like figs and citrus have a very um, mass root system. So what happens is the root system takes up almost the entire pot. It takes up all the room where the soil is. So basically you've got only 50% of soil and 50% of root system. So what, what happens is the water doesn't distribute equally throughout the whole soil profile. So what she'll need to do is get a wetting agent and then water that pot like densely water it. Stand there with a hose and just soak the hell out of it so that... Any of the air pockets that are there fill up with water, the soil becomes really moist and then you can, you know, go on your merry way and water it once. I'd say it's a water problem. So it's that it's the distribution of water throughout the soil profile that she needs to sort. Okay, there you go. There you go, Kylie. Please help, please help, please help. <laughs> um, She's also got some nice security cameras just in the background of that photo. I didn't well. notice that. Yeah, yeah. that's a that's, that's a funky to, little thing. Let's keep it? an eye on her fig tree. Exactly mm. right. Yeah. A really close watch. Um, uh, can you? This is from Vicky. Vicky says, "Can you germinate bridal bloom bridal broom tree seeds?" Oh yeah, they now the bridal broom. <laughs> it's quite hard to that, say, isn't it, it? Charlotte? Bridal got me. Broom. Bridal broom. You want to say Janista, is that right? Yeah, you want to say bridal bloom, you do. don't you? Oh, I was thinking groom. Oh, bri- oh there, there you go. That's just yeah. where my mind goes. Oh, yep. Of course, of course. Um, now, you need to know that that is now a weed, particularly in the southwest, which is why you can't get them anywhere. Because the other name for it is bridal veil, which is much easier to say. True. Um, <laughs> So with that, so they self seed prolifically. They've got the um, that lovely little pod that has seed in it, and but you need to either heat treat the seed with hot water, or you rub it on a f- nail file, and then you sow it, and voila, they you'll get like eighty percent success rate. Beautiful. Bridal. Veil. Veil. Success. Bridal bloom. I like the odds. Broom. 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 Not blooming. Janista. Yes. All right. Let's move on. So across it. Ray, (laughs) save us. Ray's in mantra. G'day, mate. Hello, Ray. Hi, how are you? Very well. Um, I've got a standard wisteria, mauve wisteria. It's about uh, probably five metres high and probably about four and a half metres wide. Yep. The trunk is only about a hundred mil, yeah, about four inches in diameter. It's very top heavy, yeah, but it 
it hasn't stopped flowering. I don't know whether it was the rain that we received or not. I'm, yeah. And it's sending off all these tendrils. Yep. And it's top heavy. I was wondering whether I can cut it back. You or... most certainly can, Ray. And you know what? It's a really good time of the year to do it. So usually the those long twining tendrils, we trim them off in February, which is just next week. So go to it. Yeah, but can I cut it uh, back? rather severely, like, you know, take it back a, a third or something Oh, like you that. can take a third off. Don't take more than a third off, though. Because yep. did you do a really big prune? Oh, it hasn't finished flowering, has it? No, I did a big prune uh, last year around about March. Yep, yep. Okay, so that's good. So take a third off in February and you should be laughing. Okay, then great. Okay, Ray. Beautiful. Thanks a lot. Good luck. Bruce, uh, well, he's got a few mandarins on the tree. Hey, Bruce. Uh, yes, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Morning, Bruce. How are you, Sabrina? Extremely well. Listened to you for years. Ah, thank you, thank Bruce. You. I, I've got a mandarin tree. It's about 10 years old. It's mm-hmm. out in my front yard. Yeah. I water it regularly. I throw iron filings and, and blood and bone and thrive and yep. water and everything. Yeah. Now, last year I had about 12 mandarins. The year before, five, and that's been my oh, production. Wow. That's that's not that's that's not good enough, is it? Yeah. Well, now the tree would be seven, eight feet high, about six, seven feet wide. Yeah. And there's forty mandarins on there, little green ones, growing yeah. beautifully, but they're only on one side of the tree. Ah, oh, right. So uh, I mean, they're all on one side, and and on the other side, there's nothing. All right. Okay. So now. That is a common thing that mandarins. Uh, some some of the some of the citrus do that. Tangelos do the same thing. So what happens is the fruit develops on one side of the tree, and then as time goes on, um, you start getting the fruit developing on the other side of the tree. No one knows why certain citrus does that. Um, and it will always be sort of the eastern side first and then it moves to the western side. Mandarins are biennial fruiters, so every second year is a bumper crop, um, but I wouldn't call six mandarins a bumper crop. Um, so, so it's quite normal to have all the fruit forming on one side of the tree and you'll find that you'll get flowering on the other side later on. Now... I would say it's a trace element deficiency. I reckon you need... I know you're putting all the other stuff on, but with citrus in Perth and particularly mandara, you have to put foliar feed on them. So get that click-on trace element spray and spray the entire tree and do it every fortnight. Okay. And do that for six times in a row. Okay, element. Yeah, trace... It's liquid trace elements. And yeah, it's a right click-on hose right applicator. Right. Okay. Um, how often I do it? Uh, Every what? fortnight. Fortnightly. And do right. it for six weeks in right. a row. Six times. Yep. Okay. Beautiful. Well, I thought there was something missing, but I'm yeah. even the people at that big store where they, they yeah. grow plants and yep. hardware, they yep. said could be bees not liking the other side of your tree. And I yeah. thought, no. No, no, no. You, okay. you, you, if ever there's a problem, Bruce, my, my suggestion is go to a nursery, not to a place that okay. sells nuts and bolts. Oh, right. 
Okay. Yeah, good okay. advice. Or just... Thanks for your help. I'll <laughs> no. get on to that. Okay, away. Bruce. Just come Bye. straight to Sav on Roots and Shoots. Yeah, that's uh, right. one 720 You've got a, a few spots open. If you've got a question for Sav, it's 17 minutes to 10. Uh, we'll take a couple more text messages because there are plenty of those. Um, let's go to Nell. Nell has a large weeping mulberry tree which gets pruned well each year, not right back to the main branch. It's about 10 to 13 years old. And Nell says this summer they've got three or four dead branches appearing near the top of it, which they've cut off. Yep. Is that normal or is that trouble for Nell's mulberry tree? Uh, no, that's fairly normal. So now the thing about those weeping mulberry trees is people don't know how to prune them. So what they do is they prune the skirt. So you end up with the skirt getting wider and wider and wider. Um, and then it's all a massive, all sorts of stuff in the middle. What you need to do is you need to prune from the very top of the tree and take out a third of the branches every two or three years. So right at the top, you take the entire branch out. Okay. And then you don't have trouble later on. What do you do if you move into a new house and you're not sure with some of the plants yeah. how often the pruning's been going on? Are there little little things you can look for to know, you know, what, what take you should be going with? The, the most important thing for gardeners is to look for disease because pests, are, they'll sort themselves out somewhere down the line. But if you have a tree that's in the wrong place, that the root system is lifting up all your paving or worse still your house or it's got into your your pipe work, you need to actually address it. The big problem with people moving into a house because you you have now just adopted that garden and you don't know anything about it. Yeah. So the big thing is is to walk around the garden and say, does this suit my purpose? And if not, grub it out and put something in. Do not be frightened to take plants out because they're the wrong plants or you don't want to, you know, if people love native gardens and they inherit a, a big rose garden, they're not going to look after it. So don't waste your time, rip it out and put in the garden that you want. That's so heartbreaking though for the people that have put in all the work before I know, you. I know. And I, I, wherever I've been all around the place, the first thing I do is put a garden in. But once you leave that garden, you leave it. Yeah. It's you. You leave it. Go and create another one. I know my younger sister did that, moved into a place that had someone had obviously put in a fair bit of work into the garden and mm. she just knew she wouldn't have the time to yeah. upkeep it. Yeah. So she scrapped stuff. I think the yep. old owner ended up knocking on the door and sort <gasps> of just really? saying, well, he wasn't angry. He was just a bit like, I see you've made some changes. <laughs> But, you know, if you're not going to be able to look after it... Yeah. Uh, There's nothing worse than a, a completely place. neglected garden. Put True. in stuff that you are going to look after. Mm. Well, <laughs> uh, this is the best text we've got all day from Pauline in Harvey. We'll try and pop the photo <laughs> up on Facebook. I have... I mean, this is... Okay, it's, uh, it's an eggplant. Yeah. Uh, Pauline says her aubergine has been growing fruit with noses and it does have a very pronounced schnoz. Yep. She says she's trying to get enough to be able to put together a group of them for a family photo and she stuck some <laughs> little googly eyes on it. We've got to get this up online. This is classic. Um, why, why do they do that? And it, and it, and they've cut a little mouth, little a little mouth. mouth in it. And then the green um, bit's like a little bit of hair. It's a little felt hat. Yeah. Um, now, that is quite common with... Uh, Eggplants, you'll see that they develop normally in an ovary, you know, you'll develop one fruit, but in sometimes you get two fruits developing like twins. 
Um, and then you've got the smaller twin and the bigger twin underneath it. So the nose is the smaller twin, basically. And you quite often see it in egg, eggplants. Yeah. It's really, I've never seen it in zucchinis, but you see it in aubergines quite a bit. It's like a little two for one. It, it is. Mm. And, the, and the flesh, of course, is edible. It I is. Mean, you until can eat you, its nose. Until you put little eyes and a mouth on it, you're going to feel pretty guilty about eating it now, <laughs> or you're a sicko. <laughs> They're your options. That would put vegans off, I reckon. Wouldn't it? Because they don't eat anything with a face, so well, what, it would be tricky. What about Jill from Hilton? Jill last spring went out and took a whole lot of wildflower photos in the Dang, uh, Dandarigan area. Yeah. Is there a resource that can help Jill identify them? Yep. Um, now there is, there's lots of land care groups and in Dandarigan, somewhere near Malawa. In Malawa, there is a fantastic, uh, wildflower society there. And I know it's not Dandarigan, but they've got a lot of, uh, stuff from all the, all around that district of the flowers that are native to that area. Okay, excellent. Beautiful. Um, oh, Joan's given us some advice here. We were talking earlier about the bohemia. How do yes, I say bohemia. it? Bohemia. Bohemia. Yep. There we go. Joan, what have you got for us? Well, I used to live in Hong Kong for about 26 years and it's Hong Kong's national flower. Yeah, it is and too. It grows everywhere. Like, um, yeah. And there's such a variety of um, climates. And then I used to live in Derby and I know, you know, it's prolific there. As yeah, well, yeah. I think it's... Um, Probably more tropical. Yes, it, it grows is. Yeah, well in, yeah. In other, other things. Um, but I, I've seen them do beautifully in Fremantle, Joan. They've got them all yeah, around yeah. CBC in Fremantle. Mm. I know because. Because I've lived overseas, I come from Africa as well. When you sort of walk around these places and you see, like the jacaranda trees at the moment, it just makes you feel like that's so African. Yeah, it's just yeah, so, yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, and I think um, you know this the the rain that we had a couple of weeks ago, the there's there's jacarandas that are flowering still. Still? Yeah. Wow. It's really extraordinary. You know, Joan was saying that certain plants take her to a certain place. Yeah. Do you feel that as well? Yeah, You know, definitely. walking through certain gardens. Definitely. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I've got boabs on my front veranda and I've got Kimberley plants out the back and then I've got hydrangeas that take me back to my grandma's garden and Can I all come, those can sorts I come of things. Can I come over and have a look at your garden? Yeah, we should do yeah, that. I'd come like and do, do that. it. Yeah, maybe absolutely. We'll, maybe we'll do a roots and shoots from your garden yep. one week because yep. I'd yep. love to see it. Yep. I feel like I need a little inspiration because <laughs> I've got like the odd pot plant and they're all pretty pretty average. Right. Well, I've got a I've got an assortment of just about everything because I'm a plantaholic. Am I allowed to come too, or is this? No, of course, Jamie. No. no? Oh, sorry. Oh, thanks, Shah. We'll no have we'll have lamingtons on the back veranda. No, no more lamingtons. I'm really <laughs> lamingtoned out. I see how this is going. Anne's in uh, Jaredale. Hey, Anne. Maybe I can just come to your place if they won't have me. Hello, Anne. <laughs> that's another no. Yep, that's a, yep you've, you've lucked out there as well, Jamie. Fine, Anne. What's your question? Hi. Uh, we have two grass trees on the north of our house. Um, we transplanted them um, onto well, what was the sand pad at that time um, about 10 years ago. They've done really well. Yeah. But we've noticed that they get, I think it's like a black scale. Yeah. Towards the crown. Yep. That this time last year, um, my husband fired off all that under the dead Yep. Leaves. Yeah. That's the problem. Yep. But there's no more deadly underneath the fire off. 
Eventually, all grass trees get scale and my one on the front verge got absolutely hammered with scale for about five years and I did nothing about it Um, and it's all gone because predators have come in there and eaten the scale off. It's only if the scale is really bad and that you need to do something about it uh, if you've if it's the hard bodied scale, I wouldn't worry about it. If it's something like mealy bug, then yes, you do have to control it, um, and you do that with a potassium based soap. Uh, so spray it. You can't. You've got to be really careful once temperatures reach above thirty two, thirty three degrees, because it will burn the foliage. And even though grass trees are tough as old boots, you've got to be very careful spraying stuff. So I I wouldn't worry about it at this point in time. Beautiful. Thank you for that. How about I turn my microphone? Cheers. Yeah, that helps. Nearly got through. Uh, Joe's in Bayswater. Needs some help with the lawn. Hey, Joe. Hello. How are you? Good, Joe. Um, thank you, Cheryl. I love it. Um, my question is about a patch of Kikuya lawn I've got out the back, yeah. which I want to get rid of. Yeah. And I want to replace it with um, a creeping thyme, yes. which I've grown successfully. Yeah. How do I get rid of that Kikuya? Uh, well, Kikuya, you can actually use that... Uh, well, there's two things. If you've got a whole pile of people and shovels, they can dig it out. You can spray it with the um, the slasher, which is the pelagonic acid. Yes, so that that, yep. that burns it. Um, and then what I would do is cover it with clear plastic to burn whatever is left off, leave the clear plastic down and then plant your thyme. So you need to leave the clear plastic down for four weeks, then remove that and then put the the thyme in. Beautiful. Thank you, Joe. one three hundred triple two seven twenty. 720 A few more calls to go. Six minutes to ten on Roots and Shoots. Uh, Sue's in Albany. Hey, Sue. Hi. Hello, Sue. How's everyone in today? Good. Ah, a- absolutely sensational. I'd say we've all uh, we've rocked up pretty well this morning. Well, yeah. I, I got to sleep in until 7.30, but these guys mm. were up at the crack of dawn. You or weren't up dawn. listening, Sab. No worries. A bit like me. Uh, oh, <laughs> um, I have, um, my son has moved into a house um, in Spencer Park, Albany, and he's got lots of lovely roses and they're all hugely scented. Mm. But we're in the backyard in a north northern aspect. There's this very, very old... Standard rose. Yeah, it's got a huge stem on it, yeah. like a boat, and it. But it's it, it was in a um those things, those round things, a frame. Oh anyway, yeah, yeah. Over a period of time, it's bent over. Yeah, and then all the the, the top of the tree is on the ground. Yeah. Now I don't know what to do with it. Yep. Whether to stand it up, will I kill it? Will it break? What do I do? Uh, oh, look. If it's been uh, sort of leaning down for a long time, if you try and straighten it, you're going to break yeah, it. Break it. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know what you can do if it's a beautiful old rose, Sue? Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, I would, and this is the time of the year to do it, I'd graft it. So take, oh. take some bud graft or grow it from a stem cutting. How do you do that? Okay, so a stem <laughs> cutting, you need, this, you need the stem 30 centimetres long. Bring it down, come, come down about um, 15, uh, about 10 centimetres from the tip. Yeah. Take about 
30 cuttings, put them in a propagation mix. Mm. Uh, also take a bud where a leaf comes out, there's a bud, graft that bud on Fortuniana rootstock. Go to a nursery and buy yep, a Fortuniana rose. Yep. Or you could even take fresh stems to them and they'll graft it for you. They might do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that from Sue. Yeah, I might do that. Uh, cheers, Sue and Albany there. Uh, I think we'll take one more from Glyn uh, in Parkerville. G'day, Glyn. Hello, thanks for taking my call. Sabrina, I've got tomatoes that have been growing really well, but some of them have a white ring under the skin. What causes that? Uh, that's been a little sucker has got to the fruit in the very early stages of development right. or, or it's a trace element deficiency. Right. So... I could give them more trace elements now, can't yeah, I? Yeah, you certainly can. Yes. Yep, no and problem at all. Is that... Would I drench them or foliar spray it? Foliar spray. Right. It's always better, for, especially for annuals. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. Thanks okay. Thank Thanks, you. Glenn. Bye-bye. Bye. We are fast approaching 10 o'clock. This has been incredible to me to just see the demand on you, Sabrina. You've oh, done an yes, amazing job. Strong. They just keep on coming. Let's just get in a couple of extras if we can before we clock off. Yep. Uh, Myra. Myra has a Chinese tallow mm-hmm. that's growing to the stars. All foliage is up high, though. Can she chop it to eye level without killing it to encourage some lower foliage? Yeah, of course. But don't chop it now. You'll have to wait until June or July. And okay. then you can take 50% off. Okay, excellent. Um, a pronunciation question. <laughs> but it means I have to pronounce it in order to ask what the pronunciation is. Tricky. I love this. It's F-I-C-I-folia. Is it a hard C oh, or a fi- soft C? Oh, that's great. So that's uh, that's Carimbia physifolia. So you can say physifolia or you can say ficifolia. Okay, well, there you go. There are options. That's from Judy in William Bay. William Bay. She says she was... Having an argument about it yesterday. Well, I say Fisofolia because I'm terribly posh. Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> the question here is if Judy was wrong, will she deliver the correct information to the person ah, she had the argument with? Ah, yeah, that's a, that's a trick. I know what I'd be doing, mm. not the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Just to win. Let's do a quick go to Wayne in Bustleton whose lemons, lemonade has motley skin. Flesh is oh. okay. Ah, okay. Uh, so that's had scale on it. Oh, it's also. I tell you what, Wayne, you got a bit. You've got a manganese deficiency and an iron deficiency as well. Just while we're at it, uh, and their scale has been on the fruit in the early in its early stages of development. You don't need to worry about that. It's all fine. But I definitely get some trace elements onto your tree because she's not looking. Green. No, it doesn't look overly healthy. It looks sick, doesn't it? Yep. So uh, too late to do anything anyway. Can Ted plant a grapevine in Wagen? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen some... time of year. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Wagen's got great grapes. Beautiful. Just just finally, I think we should read out that um, Sandy in Paratha did text in and said, Jamie, you're welcome to go to her house. She said the air con is on, but... You've got to do the dishes. That's okay. And it's BYO. It's a nice sight, Jamie, just with the the rubber gloves on. (laughs) That 
It's a good you, look. If I lived in Karatha mm. and you came knocking on my door wearing With rubber, rubber gloves, gloves just I would rubber not gloves. open the front door. <laughs> it does say BYO <laughs> on there as well, which is fair enough. That's and Wombat, Wombat, Wombat's called in to say happy belated Australia Day. Wombat calls us nearly every Saturday. Oh, you'll get, good, you'll get to know Wombat. He'll Thanks, love Wombat. you, Charlotte. He'll love you. Oh, I love you already, He'll Wombat. love you too, Jamie. Nice. No, I can play second to Shah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Look forward to meeting Wombat. Hey, Sab, thanks so much. Oh, that was fun, guys. Are you going to so come back fun. next week? I think I will. Yeah, she'll be here after 9 o'clock for Roots and Shoots. Uh, Charlotte and I will be uh, back next week as well, Shah. We'll do it again. Yeah, we'll do it again. Uh, it is coming up to 10 o'clock, after 10 o'clock as well. Uh, Sports Talk, Brett Sprigg and Kim Hughes, they'll be back on your radio after 10. Michael Klinger, their guest, first up as well. Right now, news time. Good morning.